0: Well, how are we? That question was in memory of our friend and pastor, R.D. Again, He's down in Tennessee enjoying his mild winter to come. Uh, he's doing great. Uh, my name's Ross. I'm a pastor at our North Campus up in DeForest, so maybe you don't see me too often, but good to be with you today. Uh, another question to kick off the service is what's been unexpected? In your life over the past 11 months, this year so far, what's been unexpected in your life? Maybe it was a pregnancy out of the blue, it happens, here we go. Uh, maybe it was a job change 12 months ago, you weren't thinking you'd be where you are right now in the workplace, totally different, unexpected. Uh, the Cubs, the Cubs, 108 years, unexpected, World Series. The Packers, I'm a huge fan, unexpected. The election, the unexpected. I'm not going to go there. Don't worry. Uh, But it's been unexpected in many ways this year. I'll give you a little bit of insight into my own life. Uh, About a year ago, uh, my wife and I found out we were pregnant. And by we, I mean her. It's weird when guys say that. Uh, So she's pregnant. And this past February, we go to the clinic. Uh, We're going to find out the sex. And a little backstory is I already have two girls, four-year-old, two-year-old, two daughters. Love them. Love playing with Barbies. It's the best. Got pink all over my house. I'm thinking, all right, here we go. We're probably having another girl. I guess statistically, it's more likely that you're going to have a third daughter, a little bit higher percentage than 50. Uh, and so I'm, I'm getting ready for it. So my wife and I get there. The doctor got jelly on the belly, starting to look. I'm like, here we go. It's going to be a girl. I'm already thinking of names. I got some picked out in my head. And then I see it, and it is right there. It's in view. It's a boy, unexpected Really pumped, having a boy. And then we got a picture of Little River. Uh, This is just a few days ago. I know, so cute. Uh, He was born on June 28th. Daughters love him. Almost smother him all the time. He's digging it, though. Uh, Just a few weeks before that... My wife and I decide, you know what? Life's going to get crazy for the rest of 2016 with Evan River. And so we're going on a baby moon. All right. So a baby moon is just like a honeymoon, except for not at all. Your wife's eight months pregnant and it's about two days instead of a week. But we're making the best out of it. It's going to be great. And so what we do is we book a bed and breakfast this great place down in Galena, Uh, and I'm pumped. I love planning trips, so I'm getting the best restaurants, figuring those out, where we're going to go eat. Uh, I I get a tee time at a golf course locally. I'm saying, I'm going to play a little golf. My wife's on board with it. This is going to be amazing, and so we end up uh, getting ready for this big trip. Night before, I get stuck with a stomach bug. Stomach flu wipes me out. Next morning we're heading out to our trip. I'm queasy. I'm not feeling that great. And my wife's like, "Do we want to do this?" I'm like, "Yes, we are making this happen. We got a sitter for our two kids. Let's go. Baby moon time." So she's driving the car down there. I'm just I'm having a rough time. And then for the next 2 days, I'm in the bathroom half half of this baby moon and she's taking care of me. And she's like, "What is happening?" Unexpected. The trips sometimes in our lives. And we're in this series, we've been in this series for a few months now called Unexpected as we look at the journey of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. And we see that initially God comes to this guy named Abraham. And Abraham is in his 70s, he's lived a, a pretty long life so far, just doing his own thing, actually not even in connection with God whatsoever. And God in his grace says, hey Abraham, yeah you guy who never talks to me, never even knows anything about me. I'm going to call you out of your lands and go on this journey with me. And not only that, I'm going to make you and your family line down the road into this great, great, enormous thing that populates the whole planet. Look up at the stars in the sky. You see how many stars there are, Abraham. I'm going to actually make the earth greater in number than the stars you see in the sky. And Abraham's like, whoa, here we go. And so Abraham leaves with Sarah, and they go on this journey. They go, and they have these highs, and they have these lows. And God unexpectedly just gives them grace upon grace upon grace, even when they blow it, even when they mess up, even when they make decisions that aren't in line with God. His grace is for them and not against them. And so that's a little bit of a backdrop as we head into Genesis chapter 21. So if you have a Bible, feel free to pull that out, maybe your your iPhone, a tablet, something like that. We have Bibles in the back if you need one. Uh, So we're gonna be in Genesis 21, and we're gonna just go verse one through 21. So this is an intense story. We're gonna be working our way through it this morning, so bear with me, stick with me, because there's some great truths that we're gonna uncover as we go through this story. All right, verse 1, reading from the NIV here. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And as the Lord did for Sarah, the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Now I think we need to pause here and just say, okay, what's happening even straight away in verse 1? It says, the Lord was gracious to Sarah. Everybody say that with me. The Lord was gracious to Sarah. If you have a pen or if you're on your phone, highlights, was gracious. I think this is actually a really big deal. Why? Well, because the history behind Sarah and how she's already been acting with God. A few chapters before, you'll see that Sarah has, has a promise made to her by God that they're going to have Isaac, that they just need to be patient, that they just need to wait on God, and years go by. Years go by, and Sarah's like, I'm not getting any younger, like this isn't going to be working any longer soon, so we got to take matters into our own hands, God. I don't know if I could trust you, so what we're going to do is we're going to have Hagar over here, this servant slave woman, come and Hook up with my husband Abraham and we're going to just make this happen on our own. So sure enough, they end up doing that and they have Ishmael. This is the plan B. This is saying, you know what God, come on, seriously, I'm a type A personality. I don't have all day. Let's get this going. You know what, I'm just going to do it on my own. All right, Hagar, Abraham, we have Ishmael. So already we see in the storyline that Sarah and Abraham together are choosing their own way before God's. And if you look back into chapter 18, you're going to see another part of the story where Sarah, she just doesn't believe God. And she doesn't believe what's going on with his promises. Chapter 18, verses 10 through 15, I'm just going to share this snapshot. So Abraham is talking to the Lord. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. So it's been years and years and years of waiting for Isaac. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son, Isaac. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent. She's in the backdrop behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Now, this is an understatement. They are old. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, well, I now have this pleasure. Seriously, God, come on. Like, We already have Ishmael. We've taken care of this. Like, you don't need to do this. All right? I don't think this is going to really happen. She's laughing at God. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is there, is anything too hard for the Lord? If you have your pen, just underline that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son verse 15, chapter 18. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, yes. Sarah, yes, you did laugh. And so what do we see here? We see that Sarah is lying to cover up her sin, to cover up her disbelief in God. And this brings us to our Biggest point of the message, if there's anything that you should walk away knowing, it's this this morning. That God is faithful through our unfaithfulness. God is faithful. He is gracious in the midst of when we're unfaithful. When we say, God, we can figure this out on our own. We're going to do our own thing. We don't really need you. God, in his grace, still loves us, meets us where we're at. The Lord was gracious To Sarah. This is why this is such a big deal because you find yourself and I find myself in that story. I don't know about you, but the only things we're sharing in my life, the only things that I can really say, yes, I am proud of this, yes, this is what my life is about, are the same things uh, that we experience in Genesis 21, where it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, now the Lord was gracious to Ross in the midst of his brokenness, in the midst of just falling flat on his face, of trying to do his own thing, going his own way, the Lord was gracious to Ross. And maybe you find yourself here this morning and you're saying to yourself, Ross, you don't know me. Man, what I've done, you, I shouldn't even be in this place right now. Like, it's going to just set ablaze with flames. Some people say that, and it's like, but do you understand the grace of God? Because I can't really fully explain it to you right now, but if you experience that, you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll know that it's greater than anything you can do to fall away from God. It's his grace. God is faithful even when we are unfaithful, even when we are faithless. Now let's keep going. Let's go to verse two. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. I want us to pause again right here because there's some significant things actually happening, even the first two verses. Now, when we look through the Bible, especially I'm actually reading the Proverbs on my own right now, as I'm going through the Proverbs, I'm seeing phrases be repeated like all the time and I'm thinking to myself, can't they get a little more creative and say some different words or things? They just keep saying the same phrases over and over again. You'll see that in the Psalms as well. And when that happens, there's actually a purpose, there's a significance of the repetition. It's kinda like if you send an email to somebody and it's important, what do you do? You, you bold some of what you're saying in the email and you highlight it or you underline it. And what the authors of scripture would do when they really wanna drive home a point is they would re-emphasize the words and say things again and again and again. And in verse one and two of chapter 21, we see these phrases come out again and again. Verse 1, as he had said, the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised at the very time God had promised him. And so this is happening. Hey Sarah, this is happening. We're having Isaac. I know you've gone your own way. You've done your plan B, but this is going to happen. Why? Because God promised it and he is faithful. If God says it, bank on it, regardless of the circumstances. If God says it, Trust it, bank on it, put all of your weight and energy into it because it's going to happen. And every time I decide, every time that I decide, you know what, this book is pretty old, like, come on. I'm, I'm more contemporary than this. I'm more modern. Like, I, I get life better than two, 3,000 years ago. The author's dead at this time. Every time that I think that, that I am wiser than these 66 books, that's when the wounds come in my life. That's when the scars start to show up. That's when the pain and the brokenness starts to really reveal itself in my life. And those consequences are still with me today. They're still with you today for when we think we're wiser than this. Do we believe in God's promises? Let's keep going. Verse three. Abraham gave gave the name Isaac to the, to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. All right, we just need to say, what the heck? I mean, this is craziness. 100 years old, having a kid. Does anybody know a 100-year-old, maybe? Like anybody. Maybe? No, I don't see any hands. All right. Okay, so Sarah was a little bit younger than Abraham, like 94, 95, all right, super young. And I'm thinking to myself, imagine having a baby at that age, that's craziness. All right, my grandma, actually my wife's grandma, she's 94 and she is in great shape for being 94, she really is, but she's moving real slow. She's got a sharp mind, but she's forgetful at times and she says hilarious things. And I love her, she is so sweet. And, but I, I, could j- I can't, just come with me. I can't imagine her having a baby and then mashing up food with that baby, for that baby, and then mashing up her own food for her and Abraham. And then just walking along, just, just walking along slowly, Isaac's walking along slowly. I mean, this is crazy, this story, it's m- miraculous. I mean, putting a diaper on Isaac and then she's, I'm not, okay, I'm not gonna go there. It's just, I, I think God is saying, like, come on, this is, this is crazy. I am clearly in this. God is, is going to promise, even when it doesn't seem like it's, it's, it's going to happen or it, it can happen, God is faithful in the midst of his promises. For the lovely older folks, you can't write a comic card saying you're mad at Ross. You have to be 100 years old or older to do that because that's how old they were. Okay, we're going to keep moving along here. Verses 6 and 7. Sarah said, God had brought me laughter. God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Crazy. Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. What a juxtaposition between chapter 18 and 21, where Sarah, a year earlier, is laughing at God, is lying to him and said, God, you know what? I don't know if I believe this. This can't be true. Seriously, this is laughable. And we see her in chapter 21 praising God and God in his grace bringing her into that relationship, restoring her and saying, I'm with you and I'm gonna give you this gift. And this this brings us to this idea that God will either let us laugh with him or laugh at him. In his grace... He gives us this free will to choose to do that, that we could either laugh at him or laugh with him. And when we laugh with him, there is, there is laughter, there's joy, there's peace, there's fruitfulness in our lives. Verses 8 through 10. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son, whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham, was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. So, what's going on here? This is. The drama. This is the party here. All right, it's been 25 years before Isaac's born. A few years, uh, scholars think it took a few years for Isaac to be weaned off of Sarah, because back in that time, uh, nutrition wasn't as great. Infant mortality was higher. And so uh, babies would breastfeed for two, three, four years to make sure that they would have a firm foundation of health. And so Isaac is weaned, and they're finally throwing this celebration, this feast, Ishmael is the son uh, of Hagar and Abraham, the other guy. And and we see that uh, he's there, and Sarah's like, Get this guy and Hagar out of here. Well, why is she saying that? Well, it says that Ishmael mocked Isaac. And some commentators think it was more than just mocking. It may have been physical, like pushing around bullying. And Ishmael, by by the math we can put together in, in Genesis here, would have been probably 16 or 17 years old at this point. Can you imagine that? A teenager bullying a two-, three-, four-year-old. So naturally, Sarah is saying, we got to get this woman and her son out of here. Abraham, get over here. And it's like the original... Reality TV show. I mean, this is drama. This is messed up dysfunction all over the place. But we see, we see. There's tension. There's there's frustration. We see that Sarah's saying, "I've had it." And the crazy thing about all of this is that Sarah was the one who had this plan to begin with. We're gonna have Ishmael. We're gonna have Abraham sleep with Hagar. And now she's saying, "Get him out of here." Plan B, not working out but God's grace still remains. So what happens next? What happens next? Well, I have encouraging news for us, for for those those of us who've messed up our plan A, God's plan A. We have encouraging news. We're going to keep reading on here. Let's go to verse 11. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. So again, think about what's going on here. Ishmael was, was Abraham's son. And if you go back to Genesis 17, I'll just read this to you guys real quick here. 17 verse 18, Abraham says to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And so God, God Abraham, loves, uh, Abraham loves Ishmael and is asking God, he's pleading on behalf of God to protect him, to make him into a great nation as well. And in verse 20 of 17, it says, and as for Ishmael, God speaking here, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. And he goes on to talk about how he's going to bless Ishmael and the generations to come to be a great nation. And so think about Abraham. He's in the midst of this tension where Abraham is, or Sarah is saying, hey, get Hagar and Ishmael out of here. And Abraham's here. And he's thinking about God's promise of his faithfulness to Ishmael. And he's like, God, I'm stressed. Like you promised this. What's going to happen? Verse 12, but God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, the plan A, the promise. I will make the son of the maidservant Ishmael into a nation also because he is your offspring. And so God, even in the midst of this mess, this drama, this family feud, God comes in in his wisdom and his love and his grace and he's bringing good to both parties, to both situations. And this is, this is God faithfulness in the midst of our unfaithfulness. God is faithful when we are unfaithful. But that leads us to our next point, that unfaithfulness brings consequences. You know that, I know that, they are experiencing it as well. Unfaithfulness brings consequences. Abraham and Ishmael are separated, a child that he loved. But even in the midst of that, he's saying, just just let him go, let him go. I know you love him. I know that he is your son. But for, for this to work out, you need to release him. My question for you today is, what is God asking you to release in your life? Maybe it's a plan B. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a job you have where there's financial security, things are going pretty well, but you feel something stirring up inside of you that God wants you to move a different direction. And it's like, God, really? I don't know if I can release that. I don't know if I could do that. And, and you're wrestling and there's stress and there's a little bit of fear and anxiety. And maybe it's a relationship you're in right now where it's, it's good, but it's not godly. And, and, and you know, as you're, as you're searching God about it, that he may be asking you to release that for the sake of God's best, for the sake of his plan A in your life. And unfaithfulness brings consequences. And we look at the other side of the coin now. We look at Hagar. We look at the, the rejection we see here. We see verse 14, early in the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. And this, this is hard. This is messy. This is real life right here where there's consequences to our unfaithfulness. And some of you have been in situations where you didn't deserve the consequences that came upon you. Maybe you were a kid and there was abuse and you didn't deserve that. No way did you deserve that. Or maybe it was a divorce that happened that just had a wake of pain that you felt in your life for the years to come. And you're saying, God, what the heck? Why did this have to happen to me? what, What do I do with this? Are you, are you here? Really? Are you here? Are you present with me? Are you faithful? And we're going to look at Hagar and her response here. It says, when the water, verse 15, when the water and the skin was gone, so they're in the desert, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob, just this place of despair of thinking, God, what, why me? Like just just a few days ago, we were on top of the world. We were celebrating this party of Isaac. Our family was together. And now I'm in the deserts on my way to my deathbed. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there now. Where a few years ago, the family was tight. your Your job was secure. And now there's brokenness. Now there's, feels like it's just everything is going wrong. It's messed up. And you feel like, God, what, how did this just happen to me? Where Where are you? And we see her, her, um, her response here, or God's response to her. Verse 17, God heard the boy crying. God is there. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? What is the matter, Hagar? And I just, we're going to pause there because, when you read questions like this in the Bible, sometimes you're like, really God? <laughs> Come on, like you know what's happening. Why would you even ask that question, right? I mean, I read the Bible sometimes and I see it, the questions got asked and it's like, this is so obvious. Reminds me of Jesus uh, in the New Testament, and he's walking down the street in Capernaum. He sees, he sees a blind guy sitting on the side of the road, and the guy's been blind for a long time. It's clear he's blind, and Jesus, he just looks him, right in the, his blind eyes, and he says, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And it's like, Jesus, just look, look in his eyes, like, come on, you know? And, and so there's, there's depth, though. There's significance to this, these questions, They're not just these surface, obvious questions. And so what's the context here? Why is God saying this question? Why is he asking this question to Hagar? Well, back in chapter 16, what happened with Hagar is she ran away. She was feeling uh, abused, she was feeling persecuted from Abraham and Sarah, she runs away, and God asks her a similar question. He says, where have you come from and where are you going back in chapter 16? And she tells God her problems, and he says, go back. And I will bless you and the generations after you, I promise that. And so God has made her a promise. Remember, God is faithful. God is faithful. So he's made her this promise. Another layer to the story is Ishmael. You guys know what Ishmael means? It's a Hebrew name and it means God hears. God who hears. So let's put the pieces together here. We see that God has made a promise to her earlier. He's named her son. God who hears, her son is, is crying in the desert, she's crying in the desert, she's in despair, and he's saying, "What's the matter, Agar? What's the matter? Do you do not be afraid? This is the most common commandment in the whole Bible. Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies here. Lift the boy up, take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And I think God may be saying to some of us in this room, some of us watching online, what's the matter? In the midst of your pain, God sees it. He's there. So much that that God sent his own son from heaven, Jesus, in the comforts of heaven and the luxuries of heaven to come down to earth. And he died a horrific death for you. And not only that, but when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to a group of disciples, but it didn't stay there. The Holy Spirit is available and living and active for anybody who says, Jesus, I believe in your promise. Jesus, I believe you died for me. God, I believe that your grace is sufficient for me. So the Holy Spirit is literally inside everyone who believes that. And some of us are in a place where we're in despair. And God is gently whispering in our ear, what's the matter? What's the matter? Do not be afraid. I'm I'm literally with you. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Can you experience that? God hears. Remember the promises, Hagar. Remember the promise. Remember who God is. God hears. God hears. I love this story. And they, verse 19, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boys who grew up and he lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got away from him from Egypt. What's so interesting here, just a little side note, part of this story. As many of you are familiar with the Islam faith. And Genesis chapter 21 is literally the split from the Hebrew Bible, Christianity, and Islam. You get the line of Isaac that goes for generations upon generations to all the peoples in the world that follow after God, the Jewish people. Jesus himself comes from the line of Isaac. And then you get Ishmael and generations upon generations after Ishmael, you have the prophet Muhammad that was born, who wrote the Koran. And so you see right here, there's this family feud. It splits off and God in the middle of it is still saying my faithfulness is for you. I I love you, I'm pursuing you, but I'm giving you the free will to choose your own way, to choose to not follow me, which would happen later down the line for Ishmael and the generations after him. And God is saying, do you believe in my promise? Do you believe in my faithfulness? And so what does God do in this, this story in 21? God gives them water in the desert. Water in the desert. God's grace in the middle of a desert. A little over a week ago, I got a phone call from my mom, and she told me that my cousin, 24 years old, had unexpectedly passed away. A little over a week ago. Yesterday morning, we went down to the Chicago suburbs for her funeral. Her name's Chanel, and she's got a brother, Sam. My uncle Harry, my mom's brother, my aunt's my aunt Robin, and. To so the best of my knowledge, this is a family that goes to church maybe once or twice a year. They, I don't know where they're at with God. And so I was just praying on the drive down there. Just, God, just, I pray that you would be faithful in the midst of unfaithfulness. I've been unfaithful to you. They've been unfa- we've all been unfaithful. But especially for this family, God, I just pray that your, your grace would make itself known in this place at this funeral. And so sure enough, we show up. And my Aunt Robin stands up on stage, and, and, and she starts talking about Chanel. And a few days earlier, out of the blue, Robin said she told her that her daughter Chanel had said she's just experienced peace with Jesus. And I had no idea this happened. Nobody knew this happened. And said that she, she started a relationship with him, and Robin just didn't even know what to do about that. She herself you know, I believe, wasn't, isn't following after God. So she's just like, I think that's good. I'm hopeful in that. And I'm like, yes, that is amazing. God's, God's faithfulness in the midst of our unfaithfulness. And I'm praying right now for my extended family. They're, in, they're hurting. They're in a desert right now. And they're, they're thirsty. They're, they're looking for water. They're, they're scorched. And some of us are in that place where we're so thirsty. We've been trying all these things on our own, saying, God, I'm in despair. I'm trying this out. I'm trying that out. It just puts me in a deeper hole. I don't know where to go. And God's saying, let me be that living water for you. Let me be that water that satisfies because nothing else will. And I pray that my extended family, they would know that the best stories begin and they end with grace. My prayer is that you would walk out of this place this morning and say, the best stories that I could share with my kids, that I can share when I'm out and about with coworkers, wherever I am, are about God's grace, his ridiculous, lavish, surprising, audacious, and unexpected grace that it shows up and it rocks our worlds every single day. Some of us have been Christians for 20, 30, Years and we're just on pilot mode, coast. And God's saying, Do you believe in grace and what it can do in your life? Do you believe in the power of grace? Because it's not a one time deal. It is to begin with, but it's an everyday interaction, communal relationship with the living God and experiencing His grace. That's what it means to be filled up with living water. That's what it means. Jesus. He didn't say, go fix yourself. He said, it is finished. And some of us, talking to you guys in particular, some of us in the room, we like to climb the ladder. We like to to figure this out on our own. God, I feel like I got to be here before we could connect. And God's saying, boom, I flipped down the ladder. It's only by grace that you could be in a communal relationship with me because you're never going to be good enough. And praise God for that. I'm not good enough. Every day, I need God's grace. This is the gospel. This is good news, that God is faithful, forever faithful, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our depravity, in our unfaithfulness. He says, I want you. He says, I love you. He says, my grace is for you, not against you. Would you you follow me? Our best stories begin and end with grace. Let's pray together. God, when we talk about grace, it feels inadequate because we can't fully wrap our minds around grace. It's not something we could put in a box. It's not something we could contain. It is is gentle, it is kind, it is ferocious, It is steadfast. And so I pray that anyone in this room who has not tasted your grace, I pray that you would would right now just speak to them in this moment. Just gently whisper in their ear that your grace is for them, even in unfaithfulness, even in brokenness, that they are loved by you. And that truth would stir up something in their soul, something that says, God, forgive me. Forgive me for all of this, all of the past. God, in our humility, we pray that you would continue to break us so that you can make us whole again. And, and guys in particular have a hard time with this in our pride. So I want to speak specifically to the men in this, this place right now. God, would you, would you show up right now in this space? In the midst of our, our painful past, God, would you speak to everyone in this room? Speak grace. Speak, speak mercy. With the spirit of the living God, rest with us and fill us up, God. We are thirsty for you. So Lord, as we leave this place, let us not just check this off as another Bible reading, a good sermon to hear, a nice time to connect as a church, but let us be fueled to go out into the world and to love those, especially at this time of of Christmas. As people need this grace, let us not keep it inside of us, but let it overflow to those in our lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you for our connection with you and the spirit of the living God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.